scars. Everyone has them. Some people have big scars. Other people have little scars. Some people have many, while other people have few. But we all have scars. And each and every one of those scars carries a story with it. Sometimes those uh, stories are funny. Other times, they bring up a lot of emotion and are uh, very tragic. But our scars have stories. I have a scar on my eyelid from when I was like seven or eight years old. I was uh, at my grandparents' house playing cops and robbers with my cousins. Uh, My older cousin Kyle and I were the robbers, and my younger cousin Logan was chasing us. And I was looking back, and I turned around, and I ran right into the latch of the door frame of my grandparents' front door. Now, it wasn't that big of a deal, although at the time, you know, oh, my eye, you know, I'm a little kid. Uh, But, you know, it was not a big injury at all, and the scar is very faint. I also have a scar on my elbow from when I was, like, in middle school or high school. I was playing catch, playing football with one of my friends at uh, the below-ground pool that was at my parents' condominium unit. And I went up for a catch, and I came down on the thick metal ring that was around the outside. Now, unlike my eyelid, this was a little bit bigger of a deal, and I probably should have gotten stitches, to be honest. Uh, And I I have a a bigger scar from that. We'll say I made the catch, though. (laughs) At least I think I did. I don't remember. Bigger than that scar, and bigger story than those scars together, is the scar that I have on my back from my surgery uh, January 7, 2021. This scar tells the story of eight years of back pain, of two years of sciatic pain that at times crippled me, and of back pain that I still deal with. These are my scars. Scars tell stories, none more powerful than the scars of Jesus. Scars that he has in his hands and his feet and his side. And those scars do indeed tell an amazingly powerful story. It's a story that is rich and deep, and you can spend your entire life talking about it and not say all that there is to say about it. The story of the scars of Jesus really is applicable to us no matter where we are in our lives. And we can be reminded of that story all the time. It's because the story of the scars of Jesus is the story of the love of Jesus. You can't separate the scars from the story of love. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but isn't it interesting how Jesus in his glorified and risen body has scars? Like when Jesus rose from the dead, he was done experiencing pain and suffering like how we do as humans, yet he has the scars. When Jesus rose from the dead, his body was perfected like how ours will be on the last day, yet he had the scars. Those scars are a permanent reminder of the story of his love. 
The scars of Jesus tell a story. And those scars are going to be the main theme, the main focus for our 40-day forgiving challenge. More on the challenge part later. You know, Thomas, he found out the story of the scars of Jesus firsthand. You know, Thomas, uh, the one, uh, possibly the worst nickname a follower of Jesus could ever have, right? What was Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas. This is just proof that we don't choose our own nicknames, but are chosen by other people. Um, you know, Thomas, as we all know, wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus first appeared to them after he had risen. And the disciples told him, Jesus is alive, but he, he simply couldn't believe. And he made that, uh, that famous or well, really infamous statement, unless I see, unless I feel the scars, I will not believe. Which, in general, is never a, a good place to be, to say of God, unless this happens, then I won't fill in the blank. In a way, Thomas was kind of putting God to the test, requiring, requiring proof for him to believe. While there's more to the story than, uh, than just this moment, we can certainly see where he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas from. But to be fair, Thomas knew that Jesus died. He knew that the Romans got the job done. He knew that when somebody went up on the cross, they were not coming down with blood still pumping through their body. But the story of Jesus doesn't end with the wounds. The wounds that they afflicted Jesus with, they didn't get the final word. That tends to happen with Jesus, though. He gets the final word. And thankfully for Thomas, Jesus did come again to the disciples. And this time, Thomas was with them. And Jesus got the final word here, too. But it wasn't a word of condemnation. Right? He, he didn't say, Thomas, buddy, ten of your closest friends told you and you didn't believe them. It's kind of foolish. He didn't say, Thomas, you saw the miracles that I performed for three years, yet you couldn't believe that I rose from the dead. Where's your faith, Thomas? No. Jesus used his scars to tell the story. The story of grace and forgiveness. He told Thomas, you want proof? Look at my scars. Feel my scars. Know that it is I. Know my forgiveness. Jesus allowed his scars to tell the story. And Thomas was changed by the scars. Remember, remember what Thomas said after he felt my Lord and my God. You see, the scars, the forgiveness of Jesus have the power to change. Thomas was reminded of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. 
When he encountered the very real scars of Jesus, it had a very real impact on his life. Now, even though he has the nickname Doubting Thomas, did he still love Jesus? Yeah. Did he still believe in and follow Jesus? Yeah. Not too long before this point, uh, Jesus told his disciples that they were going to go to, where, uh, to visit Mary and Martha after Lazarus had died. And the disciples said, Jesus, if you go to Judea, they are going to stone you. If you go there, you're marching to your own death. But do you remember what Thomas said there? Let us go that we may die with him. Thomas believed in and followed Jesus even to the point of being willing to hand over his own life. Yet, this is the same one who's called Doubting Thomas. I think we can all be a little bit like Thomas at times. We believe in Jesus. We love Jesus. We know the story of God's work. We know the gospel. In fact, I'm sure that many of us would be willing to give up our lives for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. But to quote George Washington from Hamilton the Musical, dying is easy, living is harder. Because I don't know how many of us are going to be called as martyrs to give up our lives for the gospel. But I do know that we are called to live changed lives by the gospel. As Jesus said in our reading, who the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free indeed. But I think like Thomas we need to be reminded of the forgiveness of Jesus. We need to encounter the scars of Jesus and the story that they tell. And so as we enter into this 40-day forgiving challenge, there are three goals, three outcomes that we uh, hope and pray happen for each of us. And they're not things that we can just choose, like, oh, I'll take one and three. They all interconnect. They all work together. The first goal is to experience God's grace and forgiveness in a way that changes our lives. In John 10.10, Jesus, in his uh, famous Good Shepherd uh, sermon, says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You are the they that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus doesn't want us as his followers to just have head knowledge about his forgiveness and freedom. He doesn't want us also to just think, well, this freedom that God has won for me, I'm going to get that in eternity, but until then I have to wait. No. The freedom that Jesus has won for us is a now thing, too. He wants us to experience what his true freedom is right now in our lives. The Bible many times talks about language of going from slave to free because of what Jesus has done. Our lives should look drastically different from the lives of those who are not changed, who are not freed. 
That's the first goal of this series, to experience the grace, the freedom, and the forgiveness that Jesus gives, to experience it now. The second goal is to learn how to be able to forgive ourselves. Now, as I say that, I'm sure there are some of you who are thinking, hmm, never actually thought about it in those terms. But I'm sure there are also some of you here who are thinking, oh, I've thought about that. And I don't do well at that. I have an easier time forgiving other people than I do myself. You know, I think we all can look back on our lives and think of times that we've made mistakes that have just kept us up at night. Or, you know, we've made that one huge mistake and we just, we can't know how to deal with living after that. We can't reconcile how to move past it. Or, you know, there are sometimes that there are sins that we slip back into. We have promised ourselves, okay, I'm not doing that again, but then we do it again. We can be so harsh towards ourselves when we do that. We can think, you know, like, how could you do that again? You know what happened last time, yet here you are again. You're such a failure. How could you do the same thing again? But let me ask you a question. If someone were to come up to you with the burden of struggling with sin that they've committed, would you talk to them the same way that you might talk to yourself in your own mind? Or better yet, if your child came up to you and was burdened by the guilt of the sin that they've committed over and over again, would you talk to them the same way that you might think and talk to yourself in your own mind? Absolutely not. You would be gracious, compassionate, understanding towards that person. Yet how often is it that we don't treat ourselves with that same grace? You know, we have such a high standard that when we don't live up to it, there's little room for grace in our own lives. The grace that Jesus shows toward us, we also need to learn how to treat ourselves with that same grace. That's the second goal of the series. The third goal is showing the grace and forgiveness of Jesus with others. Now, this is something that, you know, we talk about a lot in church, so it's not like I'm dropping a new concept on you. But I do think that it changes just a little bit when we think about, do we or do we not first forgive ourselves? When I teach the Lord's Prayer in Confirmation, I I like to use uh, this illustration for forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The purpose of a drain pipe in a bathtub is to allow water to flow through it. In a sense, our purpose is to let God's grace and forgiveness flow through us. But here's the thing. Over time, when hair and gunk and shampoo and kids' toys and whatever else get in the pipe, it can back it up a little bit. And it can, over time, clog entirely. When failure and shame and guilt, when sin get gummed up in our heart, 
It can slow the trickle of God's grace and forgiveness, not only to ourselves, but to other people. And if it goes untreated, eventually it will completely clog and leave you angry and bitter and self-absorbed and toxic and just unable to show God's grace and forgiveness and let it flow through you. These three goals really are connected. God wants us to live in his grace and forgiveness, living forgiven and freed lives now. And he wants us to know that forgiveness in a way that we are able to forgive ourselves. And just like a drain pipe in a bathtub, allow that forgiveness to flow through us. God's grace and forgiveness should flow through us like water in a newly installed pipe. Now let's talk about how this ties together with the SCARS. SCARS is the acronym that is going to be leading us through this uh, forgiving challenge. It's going to help us focus on the very forgiveness of Jesus. Starts, uh, the S stands for sin. This whole process starts with sin. It's realizing that we have done wrong, both before God and before other people. After sin, there's confession. Going to God or to the person we've wronged and saying, I've done wrong and I'm sorry. After confession comes absolution. And this is where the person who you've wronged or God himself absolves your sins, forgives you your sins. Like I said in the children's message, they give up the right to be angry with you. And this is where the weight of your guilt is lifted. This is where freedom starts to set in. After absolution is restoration. This is kind of like part two of, uh, abs uh, of absolution. I think we all know of situations where somebody says they forgive you, but you're kind of like, I don't really know how the relationship is anymore. Do I joke like we used to joke? Do I talk to them like we used to talk? Restoration is that person restoring the relationship to how it was before. You know that you're forgiven when you have a restored relationship. And lastly, sanctification. How do we, as those who have been forgiven, loved, and freed by the scars of Jesus, how do we live? How do we let God's grace and his forgiveness flow through us like a drain pipe in a bathtub? That's the acronym for SCARS. It's going to walk us through the forgiveness and freedom of Jesus in our lives, helping us to have a truly free life. A life that allows us to forgive ourselves as well as forgive others. I, and I speak for the pastors as well as the leadership here at St. Paul, believe that this can be a powerful and at the risk of sounding cliche, life-changing challenge. Our prayer is that you would join us as we go through this journey. And you can do so in a number of ways. And the first is going through the book. If you have uh, not gotten a book or if you only have one book per family, please grab a book on the way out. 
Our reading starts on Tuesday, and you can be done in less than 10 minutes. It's not a big commitment, but we want you to join us as we go through the reading every day. You can also uh, watch the pastor's Bible studies and devotions that we post on Facebook, YouTube, and the website, where we dive deeper into the conversation. You can also engage by being here like you are now, because for the next five weeks through Lent, this topic, the scars, is what the preaching is going to focus on. And lastly, and perhaps what we're most excited about, is during our Lenten uh, Wednesday services, we're going to be having small groups where we go through and discuss the, the questions and the challenges of wrestling with forgiveness, getting to grow with other people. You know, this is perfect. Coming off of the four G's, the second G is grow. What an opportunity to grow as disciples here at St. Paul. And so if you want to be involved with that small group, you can sign, there's a sign-up sheet on the table, or there's a sign-up sheet online. However, even if you don't sign up, which please do, still come. Even if you can't make it for all of them, please still come. We want you to be here and be involved and experience this life-transforming journey. And if that's not enticing enough, there's a free meal before. So uh, join us for that time of fellowship as well. But it's going to be truly a great time to gather and to grow together here as disciples in this challenge. Thomas's life was changed when he encountered the scars of Jesus. Again, he, he knew Jesus before. He loved him and followed him before. But his life changed when he encountered the scars. I pray this journey for you, you encounter the scars of Jesus, the grace, the love, and the forgiveness that he has towards you, and that it changes your life in ways that you might never expect. For his sake and for his glory. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the scars of Jesus. We thank you for those scars that we will see in heaven, that eternal reminder of just how much you love us and how much you forgive us. Your scars, your word of forgiveness towards us gets the final word. God, we fail every single day, but your mercies are new every day and your forgiveness goes beyond our worst failures. God, I ask that you would work in our hearts. Help us, help us to see Jesus, or help us to see ourselves how Jesus sees us, as loved and forgiven and as your child. We ask this all in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue with our next song.